Hello and welcome to the Ganatantra podcast. I am Alok Prasanna Kumar and I am Sariyu Natarajan. And in this week's episode, we're very pleased to have back um, a guest whom we had earlier on the show, Shoaib Danyal. Uh, Shoaib as some of you may know, uh, is a journalist and assistant editor at uh, Scroll. Welcome back to the podcast, Shoaib. Hi Alok and Sariyu, very nice to be back here. And again, like as with last time, we will be speaking about the state of uh, West Bengal with uh, Shoaib. But this time we sort of want to go a little bit more in depth and outside the purely electoral aspect of uh, politics in Bengal to try and unpack the history or the political trajectory of uh, politics in West Bengal and also perhaps maybe pick up on one or two current issues which have you know um, caused a lot of tension otherwise. But let's start with something very interesting about uh, West Bengal which came up during our uh, discussion actually on state of Kerala. Uh, even though you would associate these two states with uh, communist rule or elected communist rule, we find that in Kerala, um, the communists and the Congress have traded power every five years for the last two, three decades, or actually much further than that. But with West Bengal, you've had a, a period of Congress rule, and then you had a big chunk of communist rule, and then it disappeared. There was no, they didn't really make a comeback in any mm -hmm. real way. Uh, I'm just wondering, what does that tell us in some way about uh, what is interesting about uh, West Bengal's political trajectory? So I think there are different answers for the three periods. Okay. You know, the broad answer I would say is that uh, what happens in Bengal is very often that when a state government takes power, it really affects uh, significant changes right through the body politic. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not some government sitting in Calcutta. It really is a very, you know, uh, it's a deep-rooted government. So those governments take time to be set up, but they also are difficult to dislodge. That's, mm -hmm. that's the one thing. But otherwise, I think every phase has its own dynamic. Like right now, I'm going to start maybe, I'm going to start in reverse chronological order. Mm -hmm. So Trinamool is actually quite uh, shaky, I would say, mm. right? Like uh, when it came to the 2019 election, the BJP uh, won 40% of the votes, right? Yeah. Trinamool is just ahead by a whisker. So the, the Trinamool actually now, this phase of Bengal politics, I would say is not very stable. We'll have to see what happens. But uh, Mamata is like, it's a it's a day-to-day -day fight. Mm. With the left, what happened was that uh, they really put in, they really engineered this, uh, they, they really put into effect this rural engineering, which I think a lot, it's, a lot has been written about and for good reason, because it was a fairly uh, a remarkable change. They really went down to the grassroots and, for example, the, left, the West Bengal, one of the first states to bring in the concept of Panchayati Raj. And uh, I mean, and, you know, we could go into that in some detail, uh, but that this might not be the best place. And there are many flaws with what the left did. But relative to, I think, West Bengal's own history, as well as other states in the union, what happened was pretty remarkable. Hmm. I mean, you could say that there were a lot of upper castes. I mean, there are many, many critiques to put to that and which are all fair in their own place. But relative to what it was, uh, the left was very successful at, uh, put you know, localizing power. Uh, and taking away power from Calcutta and putting it down to the villages. Mm -hmm. And there was a caste angle. So that really gave it a very stable base. The Congress before that also is actually slightly less stable than the left. Uh, the Congress basically 
socially in West Bengal. So Congress, the Congress, the Congress Raj in West Bengal lasts from 47 to 67, 20 years, two decades, hmm. which is sort of short for most other states, I would say. And the Congress then sort of, in a way, really dissipates quickly after that. Hmm. Although it does come to power from 72 to 77 again. But 72 is widely seen as a fixed or rigged election. And uh, uh, the Congress really came to power with a lot of central help. So I'm really not going to count 72 to 77 as a Congress dominance, although they had a full majority. In fact, the Chief Minister Siddhartha Shankar Rai, the, hmm. the architect of the emergency, so to speak. So a lot of what he did for the emergency was first tried in West Bengal. Hmm. Uh, so 47 to 67 was this period of Congress domination where Congress really depended on the landed gentry of West Bengal. Hmm. And that's like, when I say West Bengal, I really mean West Bengal because there were a lot of landed gentry also from East Bengal coming in. Right. And the Congress never really got them properly under its umbrella. So that is how Congress maintained its dominance. But it Congress from 47 to 67 actually was not a very, very stable uh, force. It was always getting attacked from both left and right. And uh, in many ways, I think it just stuck because it was the Congress, you know, the party that gave us freedom and so on and so forth. But really, in many ways, the real stable thing was the left in the middle. Hmm. And and the, that's a very interesting point about how the left stability was also about putting down these roots deep into the rural hinterland and about deepening some sort of engagement between the state and the democracy. Uh, I just wonder, and this is something that uh, people talk about, but I'm not sure how accurate it is. Is it just a case that the Trinamool has just come in and replaced it at the top and just taken over the uh, mechanism at the bottom, or has it created something different? No, Trinamool, I think, has created something very different. Okay. Uh, because the left was a cadre party. Hmm. So they were they used to work very much like, uh, they had a militarized way of functioning almost, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So the left had actually replaced the government. Mm. So, uh, like, just to give you an, an sort of uh, sort of an anecdote, in my uh, paternal ancestral village in Bidbhum in West Bengal, uh, the it's the state we had to go to. Everybody had to go to the party office to get work done. Ah. Mm. You know, okay. for both good and bad. Mm-hmm. So we really went to the block development officer and so on and so forth. Everything was politically mediated. Everything was politically mediated by the party, by the CPM. Mm. In fact. I, I say this every time and, I, and I'm going to say it again because I think it's very interesting is that in Bengali if you say that I am doing part I'm working for the party in Bengali I'm a party kochi I'm doing I'm working for the party nobody asks you which party it's <laughs> assumed it yeah. that you're working for the CPM yeah. I mean now it's sort of shaky a yeah. bit mm-hmm. but it's only when you're working for the Congress or Srinamul in the early days that you said I am working for the Srinamul otherwise mm-hmm. you just said I'm working for the party yeah. Yeah. I don't understood where you were the Trinamool, on the other hand, has no organization at all. It's mm. quite uh, even, I mean, compared to the left for sure, but even compared to other organizations, it's really airy-fairy. Mm. Because Trinamool comes up, Mamata breaks away from the Congress. Mm. Uh, she thinks, and in hindsight, correctly, that she is bigger than the Congress. She's, she's giving more to, to, the, to the high command mm. than she is getting mm. from the high command in Delhi. Uh, strategically good calculation clearly now that she's been chief minister for nine years now so uh, she sort of builds it up on the force of her personality and which is why with Momota you have the emergence of uh, 
identity politics in West Bengal. Because Mamata looks for preset blocks that she will sort of tap. Because she doesn't have any party machine that will get her those. It's not, I mean, obviously identity always existed in West Bengal like it exists everywhere in the world. But it's on, it only becomes politically actuated under Mamata. Muslims... Uh, you know, demand uh, d- d- deliver votes as Muslims. Motuas, which is a very influential Dalit community from West, uh, from East Bengal, from Bangladesh right now. Mm. Again, they sort of mobilize as Motuas. Earlier, they they both Muslims and especially Motuas actually were big left supporters, mm. but they never uh, sort of mobilized as Motuas. And maybe they sort of lost out because of that. They mm. maybe were able to extract a lot more. Mm from the Mamata administration than they were under Jyoti Basu. Although they probably voted in similar numbers for either administration. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that's the, I would say, big difference uh, between... So in many ways, the the Trinamool is, in many ways, the true successor to the Congress in West Bengal. Okay. You know, like, the left is, what is the anomaly here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because even the Congress at that time really had, I mean... The Congress had no great uh, cadre organs. So just to, you know, go back to really go back 100 years in 1920, when there is, a, there is, there is, you know, the, there's a new constitution passed for government of India in 1919. For the first time, Indians get some role in provincial government. There's something mm. called diarchy. Yeah. So Indians get some ministries, but some ministries still, by, when I say Indians, I mean some ministries are responsible to the legislature. And some ministries are still with the governor, which are still under the center. So, Gandhi decides not to work with this system. The one people who really oppose him are the Bengali contingent of the Congress, right? Mm-hmm. Because the Congress in Bengal is is it's a party of. I mean, it's true for all over India, but it's really true of the Congress. It's it's, it's a very upper caste elite, bhazolog lawyer party. They don't really like Gandhi's politics of, you know, going into the streets and holding large dharnas and all. Mm. Gandhi is, whichever way you come at it, he's, a, you know, he's a large crowds kind of guy. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what he, <laughs> yeah. that's, he does that well. He can jam a city with people. That's not really how the Bengal Congress works. Bengal Congress like to go into a legislature and have a, give a great speech, <laughs> right? Yeah. And have maybe 15 people listen to it, yeah. but at least there'll be a news article in the newspaper tomorrow. Yeah. So that's where they really, like, there's a break between the Bengal Congress, something called the Swaraj Party is formed, Rishya Das is that, you know, yeah. so some no changes, yeah. so some crazy history. But anyway, so uh, the Congress, even at that time, wasn't really, unlike the Congress in, say, a UP, where it could mobilize lakhs of Swayam Sevaks, yeah. they were called during non-cooperation. It really wasn't that kind of party. So in many ways, Mamata is a, a sort of, I mean, obviously there are vast differences also. Yeah. But in many ways, the left is the anomaly here. The left really changes politics in the 50s and 60s by doing non-cooperation style politics, mm-hmm. by, you know, like jamming Calcutta. And, you know, this is the sort of almost a stereotype of Calcutta mm-hmm. now that we have mm-hmm. of buns and hartals. But in a way, it's starting from this, you know, this sort of left yeah. moment. And what about the electoral space today? Uh, so some of it is shaped by the way historical po- politics has evolved. Uh, but the BJP is now a significant player in uh, in West Bengal politics, which it hasn't ever been. Um, and in in some ways, what has marked 
the ability of the BJP to succeed as widely as it has has been its ability to morph itself to the way you know to the way the electoral competition mm-hmm. is aligned at the state level. Uh, you know, would love to understand a little bit more about how they've shaped themselves. Um, in the current context and is it how have they built their cadre which I don't imagine is a significant component but how have they thought about the electoral space in Bengal now so how the BGP went in was quite interesting they sort of concentrated on two or three planks Uh, I'll start with your cadre cadre point the cadre thing actually again the BGP is changing politics so uh, rapidly in West Bengal so while the West Bengal does not have cadre, but the West Bengal still, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, pardon me, while the Trinamool does not have a regular cadre like the left did, it still retains the outer appearance of left politics, hmm. right? It likes to do dharnas, it likes to do large rallies, like they have a, you know, Shohit Devas rally uh, every year on March 23rd, I think, uh, where they will just like, you know, they'll have these, probably one of the largest rallies in the world, to be honest, huge numbers of people, uh, they will jam, uh, uh, you know, uh, Esplanade in Calcutta, which is like the main political heart of Calcutta. Uh, so the Trinamool still does that. They sort of thrash around a bit, but they still do that. The BJP is sort of like this 2.0 politics, where they are really depending a lot on things like social media. And, you know, uh, they aren't really like, I would say, uh, huge, you know, get people out on the streets kind of guys. Uh, in like when Modi came to Calcutta during the 2019 election and he, he basically had a rally on Calcutta's sort of heart. It's called the Brigade Ground in Victoria Memorial, outside Victoria Memorial. And Modi really could not fill up that ground. Mm. And the left today, even still today, can fill up around almost as a reflex, right? <laughs> even though it's like uh, practically dead, it can still fill up that ground if it wants to, to be honest. But the BJP didn't. And I was like... I was confused because, you know, at one point of time, everybody was saying, oh, BJP is doing great. But in for 50 years, at least all my lifetime and probably before me, that's that's your minimum checklist yeah. of doing mm. well in West Bengal. You need to fill up brigade, okay. you know, so he, Modi couldn't do it. But still, Modi did very well. So, you know, clearly now that checklist is not really a valid checklist, <laughs> in my opinion now anymore. So so the new Bhadralok is on uh, on social WhatsApp, media. right? Yeah. Like that's how you'll mobilize. So the BJP is done. I mean, I I remember there was a time when Mamata, when somebody shouted Jai Shri Ram and Mamata, and she came out and said something quite intemperate in the moment. And the within within, I mean, I could almost see that thing spreading in real time. Yeah. I think within an hour, the BJP had gen whipped up outrage using social media. It was incredible to see that machine at work and then Mamata sort of piped down after that. But at that speed, because I think Mamata herself was taken aback because she did not had not seen this sort of politics where one interaction, uh, almost, you know, by yeah. chance interaction could just be taken up and spread around the state yeah. and probably nationally. So the BGP is very good at that. And of course, then, I mean, that's that's the sort of form. But the content that the BJP has picked is BJP has kept a razor-sharp focus on communal issues. BJP in Bengal does not even talk about development, mm. right? It's like whatever whatever else, else it does any anywhere else before this. In West Bengal, it's straight up uh, because uh, in West Bengal, it's straight up communal uh, campaigning. In, you know, a lot of people have spoken about that the BJP has this minus 20 factor, which means they sort of start off off the bat, 
with no Muslim votes. Hmm. But in Bengal, remember, it's a minus 30 factor. Yeah. Right? So it's a really uphill uh, uh, task to do. So the BJP is really, it wants to probably, I mean, if it wants to win, it will have to get a Hindu percentage, which is in excess of places like Gujarat. Right. Right. What we think of as extremely Hindu nationalist places. Uh, it would have to get 60-70% of the Hindu vote to ever be in a chance to form a government because they're not getting a single Muslim vote. So, so the need to polarize is much more. They need to polarize. That's their like, you know, like whatever, wherever you are on the ideological spectrum, that's if you are the BJP campaign manager and you want your party to win, there is really no other, because they can't do a Vikas sort of thing, because then they sort of get lost. So the BJP is concentrated on these two a lot. And the BJP, the third thing is the BJP has a lot of money. Yeah. So like, it's pretty remarkable in, 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 in small towns and all the BJP office is the smartest house in the, in town. Mm. And they've got LCD TV. So the BJP is really sort of got these three things and they're doing well. And I mean, I, th- I, 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 I still think it's a, it's, they're going toe to toe. It's difficult to call favorites now, mm. but it'll be a really good fight in 2021. I mean, speaking of the BJP, and one of the things that I think uh, we are recording this in the end of February, uh, and one of the things that uh, is, of course, something that I think is a case of un- unintended consequences for them, at least, mm-hmm. uh, has been the rhetoric over the CAA and the NRC. Actually, more the NRC than the CAA, I would say so much, because the CAA is very specifically a legal issue, doesn't actually affect any person here, but the NRC does be feed into deeper fears about uh, the state. But... We found that this uh, rhetoric also took place prior to the elections in terms of uh, infiltrators or termites or whatever language that they wanted to use. Uh, and this, it, it seemed to be targeted a lot towards uh, West Bengal, more than Assam. Uh, and it is, it, it's a slightly, and this is something that you've been ta- writing and talking and tweeting about, has been that it's a very weird position for the BJP to be in because the NRC in uh, Assam has principally affected Bengali speakers there. Uh, again, precise numbers are not known, mm. uh, but it seems to have been also specifically Bengali Hindus, uh, which the BJP considers the core of their vote base in uh, Assam. But at the same time, um, they have sort of built up this rhetoric, which see what, which, which, and as you've been talking about, points to also the fact that a lot of the migration from Bangladesh might not necessarily is not necessarily any one religion uh, favoring. It might be religion agnostic. That there might be a lot of migration that way. What 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 is it really about migration from Bangladesh to West Bengal that is maybe prompting the BJP to say something like this? Hmm. So I mean, a couple of things here. One is that I would say the. From my understanding, overwhelmingly, the Bangladesh to West Bengal migration has been Hindu. Right. Right. I mean, like I think from 47 to 67, around 60 lakh people would have come crossed over. Yeah. And that's not even taking into account 71, which yeah. probably was a huge spike. Yeah. Right. Now, again, 71 was also a religiously tinged migration. Yeah. Because not only was the migration Hindu heavy initially. Mm. But what what was seen is that Muslim Bangladeshis felt confident enough to go back. Yeah. But in many cases, because the Pakistan army also had a religious angle to how yeah. they did it. So it wasn't just like anti-Bengali, it was very often Bengali, anti-Bengali Hindu. Hindu yes. So Bengali, Bangladeshi Hindus did not have the confidence 
to go back. They were fearful of going back to Bangladesh. So this is one thing. And now I'm not really sure what the reason is, but uh, that's one thing. And secondly, uh, just for the Muslim Bangladeshi migration, I think from what I understand, whatever migration takes place happens seasonally, Mm. like the way migration within India takes place. Yes. You don't really leave your village, Mm. but you might go for a year and work in Delhi Mm. and so on. But they'll always have the option of going back, unlike Hindu Bangladeshis who settle in India. India, Now India is their gown, right? Mm. So that it's very important in South Asian concept where your village is, you know, like it's a where you're rooted. Mm. You might be working anywhere, but Mm. you know where your village, where you're from. So that's one thing. Now, I don't know whether the BJP uh, did not get this because from what I'm completely an outsider. I have no great insight into how the BJP is thinking. Probably mm. very few people do. But from what I understood, the BJP sort of winged it. Mm. Because the Supreme Court first did a, a Sam NRC. Because before that, BJP really never spoke about an NRC. Yeah. And the Supreme Court did it for a politics which was quite different from the BJP's. Yes. The Supreme Court's NRC was, uh, you know, was, was not really a religion-based NRC. Whatever other uh, incredible flaws there are with the NRC, I'm mm. just like, it's a, a thing. And the BJP's NRC plans are religion-based. Yeah. You know, that's at least the prism through which they look at mm. it. Uh, whatever happens eventually. And uh, so the BJP either didn't realize or they thought they would sort of wing it over this difference. Mm. Right? So... In a way, the NRC results in Assam are really not surprising. Mm. If you know the last, the, the you know, the long part, the Bengal partition called the long partition, that sort of long partition history, that this is obviously what would have happened, mm. you know, because the few Muslim Bangladeshis would have come, either they had the option to flee back, yeah. A, yeah. or many of them are just seasonal migrants. They might not even have submitted papers to the NRC, you yeah. know. They don't want to be on the NRC list one way or the other. Yeah. Now, the BJP didn't get that or whatever. So, while the Assam NRC was going on, they really started pushing the NRC in Bengal. Hmm. And then the first draft list came out, I think, in 2018. Yeah. And then this was this big thing where it, you know, again, official numbers still now are not available. But it's almost now seen to be a truth hmm. that Bengali Hindus were by far the most affected okay. community. Yes. So, again, this is a completely unconfirmed number, but the number that floats around through sources is 12 lakhs mm. out of 19 lakhs in the final list yeah. are Bengali Hindus. That's more than 60%. Yeah. That's more than 60%. So, mm. like, by far the single largest community mm. uh, are uh, Bengali Hindus. Mm. That really hurt the BJP, mm. obviously, you know, and Mamata mm. just, like, flew, like, she just mm. ran with it. Mm. Mamata had a press conference the day the lifts came out. She read out Hindu Bengali names, is mm. that... And she attacked the BJP. Then in response to that, the BJP did this whole, Amit Shah did the whole chronology thing. Uh, mm. right? That was the way they were firefighting. Mm. That is the start of the meme. That is the start <laughs> of the meme. Right? Of chronology. So, yeah, of <laughs> so I, like, I did a report in April 2019 where he, this is the BJP strategy that was, this is before it sort of went viral, mm. where the BJP has a strict, because now if they're just saying NRC, mm. people are coming back to them and saying, are you did the NRC, the, you know, who got affected? Yes. We, you know, your your vote bank got affected. Mm. So, uh, in response, they said, we're going to we're gonna overturn the Assam strategy. Mm. CA really was a bit of a side player at that time. It sort mm. of existed, but it wasn't really a big thing. And uh, 
They said in Assam we did NRC first and then we were going to bring in CA. But in West Bengal we are going to do CA first and bring in the NRC. So CA is going to mark all the Hindus safe. Mm. So the NRC will only apply to mm. this. Now this, it's sort of interesting. It it probably helped them electorally in West Bengal. Mm. But till now there is a lot of... So West Bengal is I think the only state right mm. now till now. I mean, might not be the only state, but it is certainly a rare state where the NRC is a cross-communal issue. Right. I would say in North India, I've reported a bit from North India, NRC on the ground, maybe apart from places like Delhi and mm. to some extent Lucknow, if you go outside these two uh, vast urban centers, I think on if you go to a small UP town, the NRC is a completely Muslim issue. Mm. Right. It's only Muslims agitating this, that. But in West Bengal, because again, you know, there has been such a large amount of Hindu-Bangladeshi migration mm. that there is a palpable sense of anxiety amongst Hindus also. Mm. Okay. You know, and that is compounded by the Assam NRC mm. uh, result. So there is this uh, thing. So what the BJP now, for example, does is they rarely talk about NRC anymore. Mm. In West Bengal, it's kind of paradoxical because it yeah. started off there. But their main strategy is to talk about CA. Mm. Because CA is something that, I mean, of course, the critiques are all very valid and mm. so on. But because of the la very long history of refugee politics in Bengal, mm. it's very difficult to go out and make a political case against the CA just by itself. Mm. Yeah. Right, like because there's a long history of West Bengal making space for refugees from Bangladesh. Yeah, right. Now, of course, it's not secular and so on, but uh, that's that's it's sort of slightly difficult to get that idiom out mm. on the ground. So th there is a strong so the BJP talks about CA a lot, mm. and the Trinamool strategy, on the other hand, is to talk about NRC, NRC. right? Like and club the two in and that club sense. the two, but yeah. club the two only works with Muslims. Yeah. Yes. Right. If you yes. club the two, that that will not worry a Hindu mm. just looking out for his mm. own interest. Mm. So, uh, the 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 Congress, uh, sorry, the Trinamool Congress concentrates on CNRC. Remember, and like I've reported on this on the ground, mm. there is <laughs> the slightly like the comical part of Indian politics. I guess is that mm. many people don't know what is the difference between the two mm. in many ways. You know, mm. so there is I've actually literally spoken to Hindu Bangladeshi migrants. Who thinks CA is the NRC? Ah. Yeah. Right. So mm. although they are the core target group, oh, yeah. yeah, right, uh -huh. uh, they think the CA is the NRC. So there is this. I'm I'm not really very sure how effective the NRC CA will be, even if it comes in, because I think everybody's got voter ID cards and all illegally. Mm. So that's a sad process. But anyway, but there is that at least that emotional thing that you must get in people from mm. Bangladesh because, and remember, this is like in a way, it's a sort of uh, it's also not like uh, sort of, uh, I don't know how you'll divide it between secular and communal because remember the left first came up on refugee politics. Right. Yeah. right? So the, the BJP is tapping into something here mm. that has existed, but they sort of, but what I want to really emphasize is the BJP came onto this issue in a very haphazard manner. Mm. It wasn't some big brain thinking mm. and, you know, like they were like, you know, they sort of mapped it out in some flow chart. This is our 10 year plan. Yeah. And they sort of, sort of the CA became very prominent almost inadvertently because Mamata was attacking the, the NRC, NRC. Right. you know, so that was, a, that was a get out of jail card for mm. NRC for Hindus. Understood. 
No, one of the other things I'd like to take you back to is a point you made earlier in the context of electoral arithmetic in that the BJP starts in many states with a minus 20, but here in West Bengal, they start with a minus 13, that they're significantly disadvantaged. And so in a first-past-the-post system, what they need to do is transcend that and get the additional mm-hmm. votes in that sense. So how is that? Is the frame of the debate entirely being set by this secular communal binary and how does that tie in with the electoral arithmetic? And what does that do to the Trinamool's politics of building block by block identities and aggregating them into the party network? Like, are they in tussle in that sense because of the way in which the debate has been framed around the CAA and NRC? Yeah, so Trinamool is in, it's in a pickle right now, although it might not seem so from the outside. So you must remember like, like the Trinamool, when it first came to power, like, you know, I brought up the Mutuas earlier. Mm. Mutuas are is being only Dalit group, right? So while it affects, any refugee policy affects many people in West Bengal, but they are the first people that, or at least they're the most voluble responders to that policy because they are like a sect, right? So they have a very organized church and they're very organized politically and they're really like, you know, they really do danda for anything that they feel is uh, working as the interest. So the Mamata, remember, first broke away the Motuas from the left. So Mamata is not some, uh, she is not really a natural opponent of refugee politics, right? The only natural opponent of refugee politics you have to go really far back was the Congress. The Congress is was seen as an anti-refugee party because they were the party of the West Bengal elite. And the West Bengal elite felt threatened with the large numbers who were coming in because they were, you know, whatever. They were sort of, it was obviously a big problem. So obviously very elite at that time. So the Congress at that time, for example, in 1950, they passed something called the eviction bill, which said that you can't squat on property. Now, of course, that's like, that's one thing. But who's squatting on property? It was basically refugees squatting on landlord property. So they did all of that. They had a lot of anti-refugee things. But after that, both the left... In rhetoric, of course, you can really go into the, you know, what they really did and so on, how truly uh, pro-refugee the left was and so on. But in rhetoric, they were all pro-refugee. And so was Mamata. So this is a really difficult situation of Mamata to navigate, right? Because you are suddenly going from uh, being a pro-Motua party uh, and Motua is being like a big component of your thing. And now you're saying, oh, I'm anti-CA. Right, because the the Trinamool is sort of uh, sort of on the horns of a dilemma between its Muslim electorate, Muslim voter base, who now really dislike the CA once it was linked. Mm. Right, if it wasn't linked, I think there would not be any great, you know, because again, you know, like the secular secularism dynamic really does not flow into the body politic like that. So Muslims are panicked not because I think like some. Uh, Theoretically, idea of secularism is uh, involved. They mostly panic because they think they'll be they'll be forced to leave India, physically forced to evacuate. So this is a big problem for the Trinamool. And, and you know, it's like the last two years of West Bengal politics has been uh, an absolute like uh, it's, it's been a rush because things are happening so fast that you know because and it's all huge things are happening fast. NRC, CA. So like I said, that whole dynamic. So this is really thrown the Trinamool's politics in disarray. So when the Trinamool first came to power in 2011, it really did not have that great a Muslim vote bank. Mm. It, a lot of Muslims did vote for it, 
a lot of Muslims voted for the left also. Many Muslims voted for the Congress also. What is happening slowly, slowly is almost every Muslim in West Bengal is going to the Trinamool. Right? Now, this is a... I would say this is an unstable electoral dynamic. Because you can't have a state which is 30% Muslim and a government which is 30... which is supported by like 25% of the Muslims and only 15% Hindus. So, there will... the BJP... it's a, it's a natural opening for the BJP to come in there and play that politics. Because if it was like, say... Say it was 60% Muslims also then you, you know, so th- this sort of thing, it's it's playing a big, it's having a big impact on the Trinamool. I remember the Trinamool actually when it first came to power in 20, 2016, it really did do a rural development politics. Because hmm. again, they have not, they have no ca- cadre. So the, 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 the left just won on momentum the last 10 years. Yeah. Because once you have enough cadre, you get people to vote. And you sort of, but Trinamool really does not have any cadre beyond the point. So it uses the police to some extent, but police is not a very efficient way to do it, to be honest. It sounds, uh, it sounds, doesn't sound like a good thing to say, but the a cadre is a much better efficient way to do vote gathering than using the police. Police can't be everywhere. Yeah. Police is a weak thing. So uh, now, this is really hamstringing the Srinamool right now because they are, to some extent, they wanted to become a Muslim party, but now I think they, they now they have too many Muslim votes. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, because they've got the whole Muslim vote practically now. And this is not, it's an unstable sort of situation to be in because now the whole development thing has been kicked out. People are angry with, because also that it's a a sort of, uh, the returns are sort of diminishing, you know, because they're not going, they're not industrializing in that great manner. So whatever little development they've done, they've done. So now it's now completely come down to communism, which is very unfortunate. And I think in 2021, that, that is what it will be for. Although there was a report recently, which said Mamata got very emboldened by Delhi. And now she's going to push her development focus. But West Bengal is not Delhi. So <laughs> no, Because I uh, recently landed in Calcutta and I was greeted like almost right from walking out of the gate uh, at uh, from the plane uh, all the way to where I went. Uh, constant uh, billboards highlighting the various achievements of the Trinamool Congress, but mm. all with infographics, right? So many doctors, so uh, many nurses, so many hospitals, so many schools, yeah. agricultural, this, industrial, that. And I was like, hmm, this is an interesting turn of affairs <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I don't remember having seen this. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, end up, I end up visiting Calcutta at least once a year or twice a year on some reason or the other. Mm. But I think this is the first time, every time when I'm driving She's from really that airport, it. Yeah, yeah, that it, they actually, you know, they, you actually see the government very consciously, because otherwise it just would be, Mamta's yeah, face plastered yeah. or the central government would have Modi's face plastered yeah, yeah. there somewhere. But this is the first time where I think even her presence is slightly pushed to the margins and, you know, trying to tell the traveler or whoever it is that they're trying to tell that this is the big achievements of our government. So the Vikas-based Vikas thing. Vikas-based right? thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So moving the frame from the communal secular politics to a Vikas frame. I think it would help yeah. the Trinamool yeah. and it would hurt the BJP, yeah. you know, in this particular, in the West Bengal scenario. Yeah, because mm. they've pegged their active, pegged their politics entirely on the secular communal binary. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's the, yeah. There is no, there is no other plank to your point. Yeah, yeah. there is nothing. Yeah. I mean, that would, should be the BJP, like, I mean, should is the wrong word to use maybe. But uh, like, if I, again, like I said, if I was a BJP campaigns, strategist that is my shortest part to victory because yeah. to just communalize the electorate mm-hmm. and uh, because then Mamata will end up with you know 30 35 percent of those. that's not enough mm-hmm. in a in a two-way first path the post oh, system yeah system well, one of the other questions i've been meaning to touch upon um 
is this question of the Bengali identity yeah. and the way in which that has evolved mm-hmm. over time. Uh, West Bengal does not have a regionalist political party in that a party that represents mm-hmm. a Bengali identity. Um, so, you know, what is the what could be the historical reasons for that? Uh, you see that there are sort of parties like this across the country, predominantly in the South. But, you know, if you could help us think about the history as to why there is not that kind of regionalist identity yeah. uh, in the context of West Bengal politics. Uh, well, I think that uh, with respect to the South, uh, the difference is while Bengalis have a very strong cultural identity, I think Bengalis politically see themselves as very Indian. You know, mm. so mm. that's also, it's a sort of slight paradox, but I think it exists. Like, one very interesting thing is when, for example, when uh, partition takes place, and when I say partition, Bengal is partitioned, yeah. you mm. know, so it's not like India. So the prob- Bengal and Punjab are the two provinces and Assam a bit also that are partitioned. So uh, one of the very interesting things that Bengal does is, uh, now, what is very interesting is that the Bengali upper caste, which is the Bozolo, had this extremely outsized footprint in in pre-partition India. Mm. In many ways, modernity is coming up in West, in Bengal, this so on and so forth. Now, what happens in in post forty seven? They sort of hit by two blows. One is that suddenly everything is based on population. I mean, that that's the big chunk the the big change now everything is based on population just being educated mm. or just knowing a lot of english is not going to just help you mm. so the first thing that does is it makes the hindi belt very prominent yeah which completely sort of knocks out you know it's a, it's a problem for the uh, bengali border look the second problem is that while the elite in bengali are almost completely upper caste hindu Bengal itself is actually a Muslim majority province right till 47. Mm. Mm. So partition takes away two thirds of that province. Yeah. So now they are like, they've sort of been, they've been buffeted by these two waves mm. where not only has their population strength in Bengal come down, mm. but in the union is very low, mm. right? So in 47, the Bengal contingent adopts a strategy that we will support the center. In every which way, like uh, like example, for example, in when the Constituent Assembly is discussing uh, precedence rule, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Article three fifty six, I guess now. So it was earlier Section ninety three in the Government of India Act nineteen thirty five. So the one of the people who really support Patel on mm-hmm. it are the the Bengali contingent. Right. Again, when they're discussing, you know, how taxes are going to be appropriation, again, the Bengali contingent. So the Bengal is a very pro-center thing because the elite are sort of shaky, mm. right? So who's it? It's like, this is a bizarre thing. If I remember this debate correctly, the, the section, the, the president rule debate, UP opposes it and mm. Bengal opposes it, it. <laughs> you know? So yeah. it sort of, sort of turns politics on its head as we yeah, know as it we today. Know today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so UP is outraged that because Section 93 was a terrible thing in, in British India. Yeah. <laughs> Congress was very against it, but then the Congress sort of did a U-turn and sort of adopted it. Yeah, in the last minute. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So a lot of GB Pant and all this get, get up and very legitimately say, you know, you mm. know, how, what are you guys doing? We opposed this for 10 years and mm. now you can't. Anyway, so... 
So they sort of uh, bring it in. But so remember, so although while this Bengali identity is very sharp, yeah. it never politically actuates itself. Mm. And then for the next 20 years, you have this uh, Congress rule, mm. which is, uh, it's a very, very elite uh, sort of, it depends on elites for its sustenance. Mm. Again, when the left comes, the left is far more, I would say, uh, federally inclined. Not because of any great ideological thing, but because just where they are situated. They are not going, They don't have power in the center. Mm. They only are there in like Kerala and West Bengal. So obviously, it's that naturally that they would bring up. But again, you know, again, the left is really also not because they're also an all-India party. Yeah. At the end of the day. I mean, less now, but at that time, quite a bit. They were the main opposition and yeah. all of that. So they really are not thinking of it as uh, Bengali. Mm. Even when the Trinamool comes in, it's very interesting is that uh, when the Trinamool comes in initially, Trinamool, remember, is a breakup in the Congress. Trinamool really has no... I mean, the name itself is All India Trinamool Congress, by the way. Yeah. So it has no pretensions to being a Bengali party in the way that DMK or mm. the Shiv Sena are, yeah. uh, you know, Tamil and Marathi parties respectively. Mm. Uh, and why, I mean, the why is, is sort of complicated. It's because, I guess... Bengali upper caste especially think of themselves as so because in many ways I would say historically Indian nationalism is coming up in Bengal mm-hmm. and so on and so forth so that history is very difficult to uh, dissociate yourself from even though material conditions have really changed uh, you know so it's very difficult to uh, to bring that political so for example it's very interesting is that Today, when Ta- Tamil Nadu, uh, Tamil Nadu is uh, is a, is a rich state today. It wasn't that rich in forty mm, seven. Yeah, yeah. So today, when the the when it's having a fight with the center on money, mm. it's always a political public fight. Mm. You know, because it helps the politicians, even if they don't win the competition in the end, they don't mm. win the fight in the end. Just their voters seeing that they are fighting. Mm. Is a great thing, mm. right? That you are fighting for us and you are fighting for our money. But in in West Bengal, very interestingly, because remember, West Bengal was sort of where Tamil Nadu is, but in a more extreme manner. Also, mm. in forty seven, a lot of industry was there. This that. So every time this 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 centralized state hurt it physically because money was being taken. Yeah, you know. So from uh, I think right under British, they got twenty percent of IT, and then the first. Finance Commission only, it 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 came down to eleven or thirteen percent, one mm. of the two. Mm. In fact, West Bengal in the first Finance Commission had a radical argument. It said that, uh, so usually what Finance Commissions do is is they give money to the center, but they yeah. also distribute money between states. That's right. And West Bengal said that this is bunkum. Article two seventy does not say that, mm. right or wrong. I'm not going to go into it. Actually, was West Bengal's argument was sort of struck down by the Supreme Court, but. The Vesemingal said we should only do vertical devolution. The center should only take what it wants, mm. and everything else that gets left behind, mm. not a cent should go to Bihar or Tamil Nadu or anybody else. <laughs> oh. Only New Delhi. New Delhi has a right to our taxes because yes. they are the center. But yes. they said Article Two Seventy only allows. So Vesemingal had this radical <laughs> yeah. stand, right? Huh. Even Bombay did not have this stand. Although Bombay yeah. was also on the sort of the same boat, they yes. wanted more. Mm. You know, more money to be based mm. on ability rather than need. Well, mm. that's the way the cut goes. But very interestingly, West Bengal never fought this fight politically. Mm. Mm. You know, so uh, Bidhan Chandra, uh, Bidhan Rai, our chief minister at that time, 
he wrote these great letters and he had great debates in closed rooms yeah. mm. but it was he never fought with nehru politically and which is one of the reasons why he was sort of railroaded in <laughs> in many ways because i mean what's to stop them right yeah so uh, so th- this is uh, i find it a very interesting thing that mm-hmm. two states placed in such similar circumstances yeah. mm-hmm. have such different strategic ways of approaching mm-hmm. the same problem yeah. Yeah. that west bengal never takes it public yeah it's only now that west bengal is taking it public under mamata and really i don't think it has the same resonance that it has in uh, tamil nadu you doesn't. know yeah. she does she raises it she raises the money thing mm-hmm. now and then uh, but, it, but yeah but it, it it's linked to partisanship in tamil nadu so there are both political parties have a tamil identity attached to them mm-hmm. because it was the politics of the state and so therefore whoever is in power at the state level uses it partly as performance mm-hmm. uh, because it means uh, that that issue is being taken up in that sense whereas in west bengal it's not something that permeates across the political spectrum so. as like, well i think so like it's sort of complicated because it's also been a part of west bengali politics mm. but it's all like the thing is what is you know from what i have seen is that federal politics really gets turbo and maybe it's true for all politics really gets turbo charged if you link it with identity mm. you know it's like just making a technocratic point yeah so bengal makes a technocratic point a lot mm. of the time but you know i think the dmk will say oh you are you know you're sort of diddling tamils yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the trinamool even till today yeah. actually even now yeah. the trinamool as uh, it's in it's probably as well most regionalist party uh-huh. will never frame it a, will never frame a sentence like new delhi is diddling bengalis yes that's a very important yeah. because it has a charge yeah. mm. new delhi diddling west bengal mm. and new delhi uh, diddling bengalis are two different you know because yes. that it brings in an ethnic charge yes. that uh, yeah in fact one of the occurrences <coughs> i think this was in the 2018 karnataka elections and we bring this up very often in the podcast um sidramaiya wrote a a uh, letter hmm. in the context of the 14th finance commission i want hmm. to say uh seeing oh, no, no, exactly the terms of reference of the 15th finance so, commission sorry the terms of reference of the 15th the finance 2011 commission. data yeah. yes hmm. which you know which also this at that point of time the congress had to take a regionalist plank to counter some of the narratives hmm. of the bjp but i think the framing was karnataka and not kannadigas kannadigas um yeah. and so it, uh, it to your point it doesn't inflame the passions the way yeah. you know framing yeah. it as kannadigas probably does mm-hmm. though i mean you know in the context of karnataka we've I mean, this episode by this time the episode is out you would have see heard the episode with chandan gauda on mm-hmm. why it may not have had as yeah. much resonance also if he had said kannadigas even if he had said even if he had said kannadigas but uh, yeah. absolutely i think the yeah. point around to what extent can it inflame the passions inflame? and then be linked to a yeah. partisan politics is what is and, relevant and it's very interesting that you know when we come to the bengali identity now of course we've just celebrated international mother language day yesterday which is based on the east bengal mm. thing in uh, you know some students were shot dead by the pakistan army in the 50s for uh, standing up for bengali so it's very interesting is that uh this is true also for east bengal there is no mm. political bengali identity at the moment of 47 mm. it's created like I, it's true probably for everything mm. all identities but in 47 it's a uh, partition happens on hindu and muslim lines yeah. right so there is no great uh, bengali political identity in east bengal mm. 
Hmm. It's created because almost because of the stupidity of Pakistan that yeah. Pakistan is so intransigent at sharing power that again like we again discussed you know when you want when you really want power it's always great to frame your argument in ethnic identity terms. Yeah. So then he's being all you know and to be Bangladeshi politician side framing so in a way it's although I would say the, uh, uh, especially elite Bengali Hindus have more of a Bengali identity and Bengali Muslims don't because they're more rural so this identity was also sort of incredibly turbocharged in those you know how many years 20 odd years mm. from 47 to 71 because in a way it was born out of material circumstances because unlike India while we criticize India on the federal aspect India is actually done quite a lot of federal work yeah. Yeah. right so yeah. while we should criticize because it should be better but mm. when you compare it to Pakistan Pakistan <laughs> just did nothing it just shut the Bengalis out yeah. which is bizarre because the Bengalis were more than 50% yeah, of the population yeah. so it just it just put them into this pressure cooker situation where the explosion was the outcome of the explosion was Bengali identity got absolutely turbocharged mm. Where if you go to Bangladesh today, it's it's almost like uh, incredibly Bengali. It just hits you in the face, hmm. right? It's more but, Bengal than Bengal. Yeah, yeah, it's Bengal. really like it's really Bengali. Dhaka is very Bengali. It's Bangladesh. It's yeah. Bangladesh, yeah. right? So because it's it's such a big thing, like you know, liberation war happened on language, this that. Yeah. So it's all a great thing. But you must remember, even in that situation, it's not like it's being born in '47. There is no great Bengali yeah. identity. Hmm. In fact, in '47. One of the sort of less discussed things is there is a United Bengal plan discussed where Bengal is supposed to be a separate country. Yeah. So mm. there are going to be three dominions It'll as a British leave, India, Pakistan and Bengal. Yeah. And it fails spectacularly. <laughs> and one of the reasons it fails spectacularly is there is really no great Bengali identity <laughs> to hem this in. You know, Pakistan yeah. is hemmed by a Muslim identity. India is hemmed in by an Indian identity which has been in you know, creation for the last 60, 70, 80 years. Mm -hmm. But there is really no... Bing so it's all a creation. So it just it sort of got mm -hmm. created because of historical circumstances in East Bengal. Mm -hmm. But it never really got properly done in West Bengal, which is a good thing because I guess we didn't have to face so many problems <laughs> as <laughs> the other side yeah. in the federal thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think one last question before we go. Uh, and this has to do with uh, something very interesting that struck me. Uh, and it's it's something that is still developing, I guess, and nobody has come up with like a very complete thesis about this, which is the importance of, uh, and thinking of what you just last said, the importance of states to foreign policy. And I think one of the classic examples of this is, in fact, uh, West Bengal, where almost nothing that any central government uh, in India can agree with Bangladesh, not post-71 Bangladesh, mm. not about Pakistan, uh, West Pakistan and East Pakistan, post-71 Bangladesh, cannot be done without some level of involvement of West Bengal. Like, you cannot really shut them out of the process and say, here, we're doing this, now shut up and take it. You have to, in some ways, find ways to accommodate them, listen to them and do something. I wonder if that is like, is it is it something exceptional because you have two languages shared across the border and some common culture across the border? But do you think is that something that could push federalism to new spaces? I also wonder that in the context of Tamil Nadu, yeah. in the context of Sri Lanka. Yeah. Um, whether the framing of the conflict in Sri Lanka uh, and its relevance to domestic politics. So, hmm. so uh, just I'll just jump off Tamil Nadu. The, the, there's a lot of difference with Tamil Nadu and Bangladesh because Tamil Nadu 
Sri Lanka has or the Sri Lankan Tamil issue has had a domestic resonance in Tamil Nadu. Right. Whatever, like, you know, of course, there are many eddies and all of that, but it does feature in politics and all. It's really never featured in the same way in Bangladesh. Mm. Right. Uh, Bangladesh, the refugees are a feature, but the refugees are only a feature once they reach here. Mm. Right. So once they are here in West Bengal, they're a feature. So the happenings in Bangladesh are not really. Not really. I would say like West Bengal, people in West Bengal are quite clueless about what is happening in Bangladesh, like for good or for bad, one way or the other. They don't know. Right. Right. I would say it's, it's, uh, I would say most West Bengali elites would know Pakistan better. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because like Pakistan has a place in the Indian imagination that Bangladesh doesn't, doesn't yes. uh, than Bangladesh. Yeah. So that way that sort of the partition has been quite successful, mm. uh, unfortunately. Uh, and with respect to foreign policy, yes, I think uh, uh, off the bat, yes, for sure, because mm. All of this is really affecting not only West Bengal, it's affecting the Northeast, for example, yes. the whole Bangladesh yeah. uh, border region, yeah. like the 71 war, for example. Yeah. The migration, this is, I mean, we're still, the CANRC, these are all outcomes of yes, the yeah. migration. One of the, you know, the, the, for example, the the Assam cutoff. Yeah, 71. Is, is, it's actually March 23rd, 1971, the first, yeah. the day Pakistan army starts action in Dhaka. Yeah. <laughs> is the day the, the NRC, NRC cut off is decided. Yes. Right? Yes. 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 So it's that relevant foreign policy is, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, the day Pakistan army starts action, they do start something called Operation Searchlight. Yeah. They kill a lot of intellectuals in Dhaka University. Mm. Is the day Pakistan, uh, India marks NRC in Assam yeah. because they want to cut off the immigration. Yeah. So like clearly it should uh, be an issue. Mm. But, you know, uh, we're so far away from that Mm. Because in very basic things, India does not take into account states. Like right, mm. we, this is like a thread right since forty-seven, right till now. Mm. For example, right now, um, uh, the Indian government is looking at allowing milk exports. Mm. Now, this, to be honest, will be so dislocatory mm. that states, high, especially high milk producing states, right. should be taken into because at the end of the day, state governments will face the repercussions yes. of this dislocation. Yeah. Again, just to take West Bengal's example, one of the first things that uh, happened after partition was just to squeeze West Bengal is jute excise duty was, was doubled. No, it, no, it was it, not shared with the states. states. Earlier, oh, it would go directly okay, to the okay. states. Ha, ha, ha. Right? So, it really hurt West Bengal, right? Yeah. So, again, even though West Bengal wasn't consulted. So, mm. we since we're not doing such basic things, mm. we should ideally, you know, for example, if you're dealing with Bangladesh, mm. West Bengal and Assam also, I think, ah, right. should be part of the ideation hmm. and the other, the, all of the Northeast states and uh, West Bengal should be part of the ideation. Not for any, I mean, A4 just, I think it's hmm. logical, but also to prevent these bizarre, Occur- uh, you hmm. know, occurrences and explosions hmm. that are happening now. Hmm. Uh, you know, if we had sort of done this whole thing more properly, hmm. We wouldn't have had this NRC split. You know, I think mm. many people have pointed out the NRC is not being opposed on party lines as much as on federal, federal lines. Federal lines, yes. You know, there's a stark center mm. state difference. Mm. And that is just, I don't know what the BJP's deal is, but it mm. just, it's just not very clever. Mm. If you want to implement policy, why shouldn't you make the best path for it? Yeah. Mm. And I think that is one of the themes that has been coming through the course of our discussion 
in the sense that federalism is not just something that you do because you like it. It's something perhaps fund- very fundamental in the way in which a complex polity like India is supposed to function. But uh, that's all, unfortunately, that we have time for in uh, today's episode. Thank you so much, Shoaib. That was a wonderful, it was a great discussion. I think Absolutely. we learned a lot uh, from this. Just and I think it's a great compliment it. to an earlier episode we have with Shoaib. Yeah. I want to say May 2019. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just ahead of the yes. elections. Of elections, yes. Elections, the parliamentary elections mm-hmm. last yeah. year. And so anybody who's listening to this episode should go back and listen to that one. Yeah. Uh, because it has some of the complementary ideas around, uh, yeah. I think we discussed regional politics, we discussed uh, some of these ideas around mobilization on refugee lines. So yeah. I think, uh, listeners, please go. Please go back and listen to that. Go back and listen well. to that and, and listen to this yes, one as well. Yes. Um, and see you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday and thank you, Shoaib, for joining us in this Thank series. you so much for having me, guys. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.